Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books, from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now, let the show begin. Hi, this is The Author Show, and I'm your host, Linda Thompson. When the president-elect is assassinated, a constitutional crisis erupts, and the destiny of the United States is at stake. That's a short synopsis for our book, American's Conspiracy, by returning author M.J. Pollelli. I interviewed Michael some time ago for a very different book, and I'm looking forward to talking with him again. Michael, welcome back to The Author Show. Thank you, Linda. I appreciate the opportunity you've given me to talk about American Conspiracy. Absolutely. Well, will you give us a quick overview of American Conspiracy? Sure. American Conspiracy is a political and legal thriller. The novel follows Detective Jim Murphy as he investigates the assassination of the president-elect when the Electoral College hasn't yet met to elect a proper president. As Murphy digs deeper, he uncovers a vast conspiracy involving a powerful pharmaceutical tycoon, a coup plot, and a secret plan to cheat death. With the fate of the United States at stake, Murphy, together with an accidental president, must race against time to stop the conspirators. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a real thriller. Where did the inspiration for your story generate? I'm a retired law professor where I taught constitutional law and a lawyer before that. And when the election of 2016 came, and then especially 2020, our presidential elections, I realized that our election law is really shaky in some respects. In fact, the Constitution has some blank spots, like it doesn't really clarify what happens if a president-elect is assassinated. And I read a law review article by Professor Tribe of Harvard Law School, which I attended, and Professor Tribe, whom I was familiar with, had raised the legal issues involved. And I thought, what a great idea for a novel. So that's how I got involved with it. (laughs) I like that. So I like what I've read about Detective Jim Murphy so far. Is he actually to blame for what happened, or is he just blaming himself for a moment of distraction? Ah, good point. Jim Murphy has kind of a guilt complex he's trying to work off. His sister always reminds him that he's not responsible for everything that goes wrong in the world. (laughs) Uh, He, unfortunately, he was part of a security detail for a presumed victory parade because it hadn't been declared officially involving the president-elect. And in a moment of distraction, he threw back a ball to a disabled young girl who was in a wheelchair along Michigan Avenue. And so everyone assumes that he's responsible for the assassination, but it's really more his own feelings of guilt that he feels that makes him responsible. But nonetheless, it prompts him to investigate what happened. And that he pulls one string after another and finds that it's more than just an assassination of a president-elect. It's part of a well-orchestrated coup with the United States at stake. Wow. So do your characters resemble real people, or are they direct from your imagination? They're really from my imagination. This has nothing to do with this character except the name. But I had a friend I met in life. We met briefly, and he's passed away now. And he always said he wanted to have his name in a book. And his name was Jim Murphy. 
I used the generic name Jim Murphy. Good for uh, you. What a great way to honor your friend. You know what? He honored me because he took, I think, the opening page of my book and framed it and had it on a frame uh, together with his wife. And so as a writer, I appreciate readers like that. Absolutely. (laughs) So your character, Sebastian Senex, is a rather nasty sort who seems to want everything to go his way. Tell us a wee bit about him. Yeah, well, Sebastian Senex does have a nasty side, but his parents were killed by an individual who had illegally immigrated to the United States. And so that has shaped his views about the, he sees the downfall of the United States, which is also tied to his own personal downfall because he suffers from Huntington's disease. And he can't understand why a powerful and successful man like him should have to face death. So he's feverishly at work with his scientists in the pharmaceutical industry to find some way to cheat death. And this gets us into experimental work with young blood. And there was some research in the 50s and even now involving the use of young blood to rejuvenate old blood. Without getting into the details, at one level, he's trying to cheat death with this research, but he's also trying to bring back the United States of his youth, as he conceives it. And this is tied in with the local political forces in Chicago. More crime, and he feels that this is part of a symptom that he has to help overcome. That's very interesting. So now I want to know, how do Detective Murphy and Vice President-elect, now President, Taylor get along? Uh, At first, they did not get along very well, because the accidental president was stopped on Lakeshore Drive by Detective Murphy for speeding. And she was convinced that it was only because she was driving while black. And so they have a misunderstanding because of different cultural backgrounds. But at the end, they realize they have to unite to defeat Senex and the forces he's united in a plot to overtake the United States government. So they wind up becoming fast friends, though they come from very diverse backgrounds. Will Detective Murphy return to us in a sequel? That's a good question. I don't know. It's possible. I'm letting the well fill up. But Detective Murphy may well come back. I'm not sure. Well, Michael, your entire career was in the law, first practicing civil litigation, then as teaching the law, as well as special assistant state's attorney for several years. What kind of research did you do to ensure the believability of your story about a police detective? Well, fortunately, this was easier in the sense that I grew up in Chicago. I had been involved locally in politics in Chicago. I'd run for judge one time unsuccessfully in Chicago for judge. And so I was very familiar until 2011 when my wife and I were both native Chicagoans, moved to Sarasota with a setup of Chicago and the characters and the history. So that made my research a bit easier. I didn't have to fly to Italy to study the Mithras conspiracy. I could just refresh my memory and visit Chicago a few times. What kind of reader do you think would most enjoy reading American Conspiracy? Well, I think all novels should be entertaining. There's no reason to have a novel that's just uh, ponderous. But I believe also, I try to write a novel that's not only entertaining, but thought-provoking. 
I don't write novels that are very simple, what I consider sometimes cartoon characters who don't have any complexity to them. Most people I meet in life are complex, and that's the way I like my characters in books. And I like plots that are also have several different layers of understanding. Is American Conspiracy similar to any other book we may have read? Yeah, actually, it's in the genre, for those of your listeners who like Steve Barry. Steve Barry is a New York Times bestselling author, also a former lawyer, who's written some 30 novels dealing with political and legal historical facts. In fact, he wrote a blurb for my book, and he called it a stellar novel of action, adventure, and intrigue. The twist of betrayal unravel at a perfect pace, and Pallelli nails the details of this high-caliber political drama, which I really appreciated from him because I didn't know him, he didn't know me, and I'm certainly a nothing in the writing field, but he really was very generous in lending this quotation to me to use. I've interviewed Steve Barry several times, and he is just an absolute delight. So when somebody says that their books resemble his work, then that means I absolutely have to read it because I've read everything he's ever written. So are you working on a new book now? And if so, will you give us a quick teaser? No, right now I'm not. I guess I'm of the philosophy of Tom Wolfe, the American writer, who felt that writers have to get out of their studio They have to go out into the world to see what's going on, get ideas for their new book. And that's what I'm trying to do. I want to get out and see what's going on. So when did you realize you'd like to write and publish thrillers? I didn't know exactly what genre of novel I'd like to write. But after Scott Turow wrote a book and then John Grisham, I realized, like many other lawyers, that lawyers can write and not only left brain law, but also right brain, imaginative writing. And so I started writing a book called Broken Love Beads about the 70s. (laughs) It went nowhere. (laughs) It's in my drawer. But I realized I could finish a book. And if you can do that, you're a success. I mean, if you've never written before, because most people never finish. But then I started taking courses and getting serious about it. There was a course called The Loft taught by Jerry Cleaver in Chicago. And I had a great time learning a lot about the the art of writing. And so that led ultimately to my first book, The Mithras Conspiracy, and then to this one. What would you like readers to remember once they finish reading American Conspiracy? I would like to just think, I would like to have touched something in them that causes them to think about what the themes of the book, not necessarily agree with me at all. In fact, they may disagree, but something that gets them involved where they react to the book. That's what I most look for. As one of my readers said, what I liked about it is I had to keep going to the end to find out how it ended. So (laughs) I'd like to keep readers interested. But even when the book ends, I hope to have added something, maybe in the way of they're thinking about something they hadn't thought quite before or learning something they hadn't before. But at the same time, being entertaining and realize this is not a law lecture, but it's a way to both learn, and to be entertained. Michael, will you please read a short excerpt from American Spiracy for us? I'd be happy to, Linda. This is the scene where Detective Murphy discovers that his godfather is a corrupt commander in Chicago, Commander Jack Cronin, and he confronts him at a restaurant. And then the commander tries to justify himself, saying, quote, 
I'll tell you something. I tell my son, he folded his hands on his table. There's good in the worst of us and bad in the best. And most of us know the difference, said Jim. I can't undo it, but I got to be honest, Jim. Commander Cronin lifted his head to look him in the eye. I'd have to do it all over again. I didn't choose to be born in Chicago, grow up with the folks I did. I had to play the cards I was dealt. Cronin spread his hands across the table and hunched over. Ain't life grand. Life is what you make it, says the man who dropped out of the priesthood, dropped out of law school, and dropped out of position so a presidential candidate gets his self shot. I grew up in the same neighborhood you did, Commander. I kept trying to find my way, trial and error maybe, but I kept trying. He sighed, realizing maybe the commander was right. Maybe his godfather couldn't change now. Maybe that was hell, living in wet concrete until it hardened with time and you couldn't get out. Do right and wrong mean anything to you anymore? If you weren't such a holy Joe, you'd give me credit for improving morale, modernizing the 13th District, cracking down on crime where I could. And yes, not letting graft and departmental politics get out of hand. Oh, I give you credit all right, he said. You really cracked down on crime. They didn't call you Mr. Billy Club for nothing when you walked the beat. You'd crack any petty crook to an inch of his life when you weren't kissing mob ass. The commander's face reddened. I ought to. What's the use? His eyes watered. You're right. And it hurts to hear you of all people say it. I don't want to work with you. Jim looked the other way. I'm applying for a transfer. No need, my boy. The commander folded his arms. I'm resigning from the force. The FBI's hot at my trail. Maybe resigning will satisfy them. Dream on, commander. They'll want you to flip against the outfit. I'm no snitch. The golden rule of corruption. Rats don't rat on other rats. They'd kill me. What about the witness protection program? They're bigger than the witness protection program. Is that why the cartel is taking them down piece by piece? Because they're so powerful? I'm not a stool pigeon. Of course not, Jim said. He tossed some bills on the table before leaving the restaurant. You're a rat. Oh, my God. Really interesting conversation here. So where can we learn more about you, about your other book, and where can we purchase American Conspiracy? You can do all of that in one place, and that is my website. I have a special website, and it is M as in Michael, J as in Joseph, MJ, Polelli, P-O-L-E-L-L-E. Repeat, M J. P isn't Peter, O-L-E-L-L-E dot com. And on that website, you will find information about me, more information about my two novels, and also different ways you can order the book. There's not just one way or one vendor. We've been talking with M.J. Polelli, author of American Conspiracy. Michael, American Conspiracy reminds me a lot of my favorite thriller novels, and I can't wait to finish reading it. I'm sure a lot of our audience will be interested as well. And I do hope that you'll come back and talk to us when you publish your next book. It's been a pleasure, Linda. I hope I can return sometime. Author Polelli does a masterful job of intermingling concurrent storylines while introducing memorable characters who interact on multiple fronts. For those with an appetite for thrillers as intellectual as they are intense, this one will likely assuage their hunger. 
Well, if that review and this interview has you wanting more, go to mjpolelli.com and order your copy today. And when you finish reading, don't forget to post your review and share this interview with your friends so that they too may become acquainted with their author. And remember, the author show may be accessed at any time at theauthorshow.com. Plus, selected interviews can also be found on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, and many more. Whether you're an author who would like to be featured or a reader in search of new books, theauthorshow.com is a really great place to start. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorshow.com. Theauthorshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.